Do not fear the grind. 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 The grind will set you free. We mean you no harm. 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 Do not be alarmed. Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Grind podcast. Uh, my name's RJ Bailey, and I am joined as ever by the mastermind behind the Grind podcast, uh, Gordon Johnston. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thanks. Good. Yes, feeling good about this one, as always. Are you excited to talk about some science fiction? As ever. I mean, I will never ever pass up the chance to talk about sci-fi in any realm of life, to be honest. So. Excellent, excellent. And our special guest today is uh, Noel Chidwick. Um, and you are the editor of Shoreline of Infinity, aren't you? That is correct, yes, I am that beast. And can you tell us just what Shoreline of Infinity is, please? Yeah, with pleasure. Uh, Shoreline of Infinity is a science fiction magazine. Um, we produce mostly, we publish mostly short stories. That's our basic... Um, uh, modus operandus, if you like, but we also do interviews, uh, we do book reviews as well, and mm-hmm. uh, regular columns, and we've got a growing uh, website as well, which uh, features some of the content and some news and items as well. And a great poem about Dalek on the website as well, <laughs> which I enjoyed reading. Excellent. Well, our poetry editor who wrote that, Russell Jones, will be delighted to hear that. Great, great. Um, can you um, tell us how you started with Shoreline? Actually, you know what? Tell me about the name, because that's a question name. Uh, I also play in a band called Painted Ocean, um, and we've got a, a title for an album we haven't recorded yet, which is going to be called On the Shoreline of Infinity. Um, I haven't got around to using that yet. Well, when we came up with the idea of doing the magazine, we thought, let's use the title of that instead. <laughs> so, yeah. Because one of the great things about science fiction is it's a great way of playing around with ideas of where you are currently and looking to the future, different mm. ways you want to go, mm. bad future, good future. Yeah. And so I sometimes feel, and it says on, the, on, our, on our website, where we are currently, it feels like we're on the shoreline looking to see where we're going to go from now on. Mm. And we have infinity in front of us. So that's really where we thought, well, that's a great name for the magazine. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's a beautiful, beautiful magazine. Um, yeah, it's really, really, really nice. Looks. That immediately, yeah. that, and this is a compliment, it very much reminds me of, if you're you know, a nerd, you'll know Frank Quietly's um, cover, quite famous cover in comic books of um, All-Star Superman. Superman for all seasons where he sat on a cloud and it's a very yeah. the composition is beautiful and it's very you know quite well known now and it reminded me immediately of that mm. that's a classic right. cover I mean, issue two mm. yes yeah well, we're very pleased with this actually the artist who did the cover it's uh, Sarah Lejeskovac and uh, yes. she's a lovely artist mm. and uh, uh, we've actually commissioned her to do the covers for all this year's magazines excellent that's, uh, that's as a really kind good. of a series so that's mm. if you like a sort of winter scene as, mm. as your, your mm. Listeners can see. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would have seen of a, a person or a creature in a spacesuit holding a mug of something, <laughs> looking out at the, over a sea of somewhere with uh, probably snow falling. Yeah. But I think that's science fiction. That could be virtually anything. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it's vaguely wintry, mm. and so the, uh, the next covers are coming through will be spring, summer, and autumn. Yeah. So I thought, okay, nice that's series. amazing. I love yeah. that. Absolutely love it. That's yeah, a beautiful yeah. concept. Um, well, we're trying to encourage new writers 
uh, very much. Um, we have got Scottish writers in there, as you say, but we've also got writers from all over the world. Brilliant. And we think that's important because we don't want to be too parochial and yeah. be too Scottish. Yeah. We also want to be proud that we are a Scottish magazine. Mm -hmm. so, and we want to be seen all around the world. That's very much what we're very keen to do. Yeah. And you are Scotland's only science fiction magazine, aren't yes. you? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which is quite a badge to wear. <laughs> it's a strange badge to wear. When we were setting up the project, we did look around to see what else was happening mm -hmm. before we decided which way we were going to go. Mm -hmm. And we looked very hard to see what examples we could follow uh, or, or base on or use as inspiration. And I've forgotten now exactly when it was, but the last Scottish science fiction magazine was many years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure people can tell me uh, more precisely, or a quick look at Wikipedia will probably do the job. <laughs> yeah. But it's so long ago that the people involved in it uh, are not really involved in science fiction, I don't mm -hmm. think, anymore. Um, so it was time was right for a science fiction magazine from Scotland. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Absolutely. and we came out of, it really came out of the, uh, the referendum in September 2014. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you two are here. Yeah, 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 I was in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I certainly was. And my partner, Mark Turner, uh, who also drew the idea of the magazine, we're both sort of very strongly involved in, in the referendum mm -hmm. and all that energy that was created around the time. And mm -hmm. um, we felt, we could do with this energy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so much energy is flowing through what was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. No matter which side you voted for or against. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I just felt Scotland which is a wonderful place to be. It's time really mm. showed off what Scotland can do. I'm glad you tell us a little bit about the events that you run every month. Is that on Deadhead Comics? Uh, all right, yes. And well, I mean, the story of the the events uh, is is wonderful because we launched the first issue of Shoreline and Infinity in July last year, mm. and Russell Jones, I saw our poetry editor, just joined us, and he's a poet himself, a very good poet, as you. Uh, already attested, yeah. uh, the writer, and he came on board with the magazine just at the point we're about to publish, and he helped us get things going. And he said, "What are you going to do about a launch event?" Mm -hmm. Well, Mark and I hadn't really thought too hard about that, and Russell, bless his cotton socks, said, "I'll organise something for you." <laughs> Brilliant, yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and bless him, he did. Put on a great show. Uh, he, he put on some with himself doing played a sort of character to sort of lead us through the event. Mm -hmm. uh, got some uh, poets to uh, tell their stories, uh, tell their poems. And we got uh, Debbie Cannon to read one of our stories from the magazine. Uh, Debbie Cannon's an actress, Edinburgh actress. And you may well know her more likely as the voice of the trams. Oh, really? <laughs> She's the one who announces your destination on the tram. That's fantastic. So we'd great to have a story read by the voice of the tram. <laughs> it's this lovely uh, person, yeah. Debbie Cannon. That's fantastic. I have no idea. And also, it gave my band a chance to play as well. Yeah, uh, so one, yeah. we've written some science fiction songs. So Good. we topped and tailed the event with a couple of uh, science fiction songs. Excellent. And after the event, sold a few magazines. And, uh, and it was done at the Paradise Palms. Oh, yeah. Lovely, yeah. great venue. Yeah. And very helpful and supportive. And they uh, invented a cocktail just for the event, science nice. fiction cocktail. <laughs> what was it? I didn't taste it, I was driving it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a green concoction, I never saw it. I never heard it. This, I saw a picture, I didn't see actually anyone drinking it, unfortunately. <laughs> so they were great. But uh, as we were sort of milling about afterwards and relaxing, and uh, a couple of people got to me and said, This is really enjoyed tonight. When's your next one? <laughs> What do you mean? Well, clinics should be out in the course of the, the six months' time. No, no, the event, it's been really good fun. So, oh, okay. <laughs> and we thought, why not? The decision was made for you. It was made for us. And Gaff at um, Deadhead Comics 
uh, he'd heard about this and said, oh, I've got a great venue for you, my shop would be perfect. Mm -hmm. So I went along and, and it was right, it's a lovely wooden floor, a nice space to perform in and people to mill around in. Mm -hmm. And within a space of two weeks, I thought, oh, let's do this. And during the festival last year, mm -hmm. we put on an impromptu um, pop-up event, I suppose, and mm -hmm. called it Event Horizon. Mm -hmm. And nice. uh, people came along and had a great time. <laughs> And we did some market research, <laughs> amazingly enough. <laughs> that, okay, thanks very much for coming. Would you like another one? So we put out some forms and bits mm, and pencils sure. and uh, would you like this to happen again? Absolutely. I never had such a positive response about something. So, Brilliant. And ever since then, we've run it every month. Uh, Russell uh, is the MC and helps coordinate the event. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Mark and I get on with uh, most of the work in the magazine. And coming up on the 28th of January, we have the Cthulhu Brothers. Performing fantastic, nice, uh, great stuff, <laughs> and we're the backing band for them. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you, what kind of music do you play in your band? Oh, uh, I hope you want to ask that. Um, <laughs> uh, prog folk is prog probably folk. The Excellent. Uh, Can I uh, hear some of this? I want to hear it. Yeah, we have a website. It's um, www.paintedoceanmusic.com, and we've uh, got a CD out. Um, Purchasable from the website? Purchasable from the website, yeah. Lovely. I look at your goats. Farmer, one is not quite right. Its eyes burn like hell. I wanted to ask as well, you said like you were trying to figure out where, which direction you were going to go with the magazine. Yeah. In an alternate parallel dimension, what were, <laughs> what were the other routes? What, what were the other things that you were looking to explore? What, what, what could have been that never was? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, essentially, it could have been looking to do, as I said, it was a publishing company or maybe um, um, gathering new writers to, for longer fiction. Uh, or it could be more more music based as well. We, um, the problem I have, and, and Mark as well, we, we're both interested in sort of all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark, Mark's the, the the artist of the team, and he's, he did the back cover for the uh, show, and he's now creating a comic version of, of this character mm -hmm. uh, for issue three. Uh, so he's, he's a great musician as well. Um, I wish I did all sorts of things. So we could have gone down that road as well. How do you feel about when sci-fi meets magic? Now, what sort of example are you thinking of? <laughs> when you know there's a you know a science fiction story that involves demons and or wizards yeah. or things like that. Now is that cool with you? Because I know some people <laughs> never, never they should not never touch for something. something exactly. <laughs> oh, I love when things intersect. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when Charles Stross's The Laundry series, that's when magic and, and science fiction interact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd recommend Charles Stross's Laundry series. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like Charles yeah, Stross. Yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. they're great. That's, that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, You've got uh, Discworld as well. Uh, yeah, Discworld. Yeah. That's all very sad. Who can't not love Discworld? Come I on. Abs absolutely. <laughs> See, I've never read Discworld, and it yeah. looks, I thought it was firmly fantasy. Mm -hmm. That You know, Rin Swing's got a nice hat, there's yeah. a chest with some legs. Yeah. It looks like, actually, I played the video games. Actually, I used, to, I, I used to love the video games. They're so good. Yeah. I miss point and click adventures. 
Whatever yeah. happened to those? That's such a shame they yeah. died out. No, it's the only <laughs> but, when they added three dimensions in video games, I just lost. That's <laughs> <laughs> not for me. <laughs> no, but I think in the science fictional world, everything's up for grabs. Mm. I have absolutely no doubt there were problems with that. I like to say like earlier, I like to be surprised. So mm. if you want to throw science fiction with something else, good good mashup is great. Yeah. Yeah. I asked that because I watch Doctor Who, and every so often I check social media. And about you know, hundred people have a fit all at once when they mention Time Lord magic and bring them back to life. Like yeah. that's not sci-fi, that's fantasy. Absolutely, and I mean, but there's one. There's a David, um, what's his name, was doing Doctor Who. Tenet. Yes, sorry. Mm. <laughs> he sort of dribbles away. It's sort of timey wimey, wibbly wobbly stuff. Huh? Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Solves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move yeah. on. Get on with the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't think of many times where I've seen sci-fi and magic. Um, I was trying, yeah. There's a great film, trashy, but a great film uh, from the 80s called Evil Speak. About a, set in incredible. A, set in a, a boy's middle, military academy, and the outcast fat pudgy boy uh, he finds a computer, and somehow this computer gets possessed by Satan and, and starts to. Like, this is a film, I don't want to spoil it for any listeners, but please seek this out, I'm sure you will when I tell you, there are man-eating devil pigs in oh. the film at one point. That sounds incredible. In, a, military, yeah, in a boys' military academy. That's what it should be. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. What was your first like, great sci-fi love? Oh, right, well, let's go back a few years, many, many years. Uh, you have to remember, I'm old enough to remember the uh, Apollo... Missions. Mm-hmm. I actually saw Neil Armstrong on the moon well, mm, wow. through the television. That's yeah. <laughs> but I was there uh, nine years old when it happened. So mm. that sort of age, we were living the sci fi world, mm. we were living the science fiction life. Uh, and I used to read science fiction from a very early age. Mm. In fact, I read 2001 when it came out, I saw the 2001 the film that came out. Uh, and I've been reading science fiction since the age of eight or nine. Uh, John Wyndham, Asimov, they were the classics of those. Mm-hmm. They were still alive in, in those days. Uh, well, Wyndham wasn't. Wyndham died in the 60-something, I think. Um, but, yeah, so I'd, as a teenager, I just read every science fiction book I could lay my hands on. Mm-hmm. And in Birmingham in those days, in the 70s, we were blessed with a bookshop called Andromeda, Andromeda Bookshop, run by a wonderful man called Rog Payton. And so every Saturday I'd be down there and it's a great little shop, very sort of damp and smelly and dark, but it's mm. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. uh, I used to spend hours and reading the all through the old magazines down in the basement for mm-hmm. 1940s Astounding and Analogs. And ah, amazing. amazing. I've got a few of them I bought. And, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, I just lived and breathed science fiction as a teenager because we had the mm-hmm. Apollo missions. Uh, they were, so there they were, watching people actually on the moon. So I kind of thought by the time I reached the age I'm now, mm. We'd be living on Mars and flying around the, where, the solar system. Where where are our jetpacks? Where's our well, exactly? Yeah. Oh, so we're now past Back to the Future too, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. We I think we spoke about this before, but there's the idea that you know where are our jetpacks? Where's our yeah. where are meals and pill form and stuff? Yeah. But um, we, it is a fairly sci-fi world we live in right now. I mean, the Absolutely, fact that yeah. You know, in my pocket, I carry all of humanity's knowledge collected, yeah. <laughs> you know, on one vastly shareable network. It's, like, yeah. it's terrifying when you think about it. But the weird thing about that, I was thinking about that a few days ago. Um, I don't think anyone in science fiction has actually predicted the smartphone as it is. I've mm. really been racking my brains to think of one writer or one book or a story that, mm. that really 
Um, the Star Trek communicator yeah. is, is, is not quite, quite there because it doesn't no. use the same device to mm -hmm. uh, access the information, knowledge. Yeah. Or doesn't it almost seems quaint, Star Trek. Yes. Like, <laughs> like they were like, in, in the 80s when Star Trek Next Generation out, they were like, yeah. they don't have physical buttons, it's all touch screens. <laughs> it's <laughs> the future. <laughs> we only have computers as big as a room. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, it really so, is. Yeah. You're right, though. I can't think of anyone. I think maybe there's they use lots of different devices because maybe that seemed more like impressive almost. Like yeah. this range of devices we have, whereas obviously as you know the real world progressed, more and more things were condensed into one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't think of it. There have been people who predicted like, the rise of television and the internet to a degree, yeah. but not just one device. Absolutely. Yeah. Apart from maybe the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's that's <laughs> probably the only one I can think of. Uh, mm. We've all got the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in our pockets. That's the way I sometimes mm. think of it. Yeah. Um, but Douglas Adams didn't think, didn't think it was a communication tool at the same time. No, no, so, you're right. Um, in fact, you can do everything with this device. I've got one in my pocket, you've got one in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. They're all over it's the place. It's amazing. I can watch. I remember. You know, reading it in a newspaper, like, um, you know, this technology report saying one day we're going to be able to watch the television on our phones. And we're going, nah, not possible <laughs> television. No, 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 no. Too complicated. Yes. And there I am watching, not, you know, several apps for all the different yeah. channels, plus YouTube, which is practically a television, the world's biggest yes, television sure. channel in the world. And not only that, but I can then watch select it on my phone and then cast it to my television <laughs> and control my television from my phone. Yeah. The other day I signed to Spotify, like, and I've got every single song yeah. ever written <laughs> at the touch of my fingers. Yeah. And I can beam it to three different devices in my house at any one time. Mm -hmm. So I can literally walk around my house and have the music follow me around yeah. the house. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's mad. Yes, you've got this wonderful technology, and what do you do? You watch kittens juggling chainsaws. We're <laughs> more of a renaissance uh, society, aren't we, really? Yeah, I think it's, yes. that's really interesting, because I was thinking about this the other day. I think that we're going to look back on this time, kind of just post-referendum in Scotland, and see it as time of like, huge, um, basically unparalleled creativity. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because people were given a voice and kind of felt, you know, engaged. Because yeah. as soon as you become engaged with politics, you start to become engaged with just general day-to-day -day life more. Yeah. You've got people creating again. I think that it was so, so important. I mean, regardless of how you feel about the outcome, yeah. it was undeniably a good thing because now we have so much more. Um, I mean, Shoreline was yeah. you know, happening because of it. The grind yeah. is continuing because of it. There's so many wonderful artists out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, you're right. It's like a. I think we're going through a mini Renaissance. Time. Yeah, but I think this. I think this, the referendum was a bit of a catalyst that maybe uh, made things accelerate that way because the way the internet itself is going, we're all dabbling in all sorts of things. And the yeah. internet allows mm -hmm. you to do that. One day you could be writing a story, mm -hmm. the next day you could be writing a song, the third day you could be doing a bit of graphic yeah. and publish all the things on the website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's the I think is amazing too about being in a science fictional world. The fear in my day was we'd all be sucking on, on what Harlan Ellison used to call the glass teat. Mm -hmm. We'd all be sucking on the television, just absorbing, mm -hmm. just being given stuff. Yeah. To that's... read, to, and, and, and the television with there, Ray Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451, where he envisioned wall, walls covered in screens just projecting mm -hmm. inane mm -hmm. television at you. And sure, our television got huge. <laughs> uh, but what's yeah. incredible is because the internet is a two way process, it's not a broadcast medium, it's a creation medium as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are creating that because they can. Mm -hmm. And because they can, they do. Mm -hmm. And that is yeah. fantastic. I mean, 
there's so much good music around on the internet mm -hmm. uh, there's so much good writing there's so much good artwork there's too much of this good stuff mm -hmm. that's uh, yeah i suppose we, you do get to a point where there's actually so much high quality content out there yeah it kind of saturates the market and people are finding it more and more difficult to make money yeah. you know from yeah. creative pursuits because why would somebody pay them to do something when there's there's an infinite amount of it for free out yeah. on the internet yeah, there's a danger though, and I mean, it's one of the reasons why we set up the magazine and the way we have done is one of our key philosophies is, is the contributors, the writers, and the artists must get paid. Yep. And that, that's, that's fundamental to our philosophy. Yeah, I'm so. very pleased to hear that. Uh, uh, it's horrific, isn't it, when people are saying, oh, but you'll get the exposure for it. <laughs> you'll get the even big web, like newspapers, national newspapers yeah. don't pay some of their That's online right. writers because yeah. you'll get to be in the Guardian. Well, the if, you can, if I can take exposure to my supermarket mm. and buy some food with the exposure, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. But until that point is, I'll have some cash. Thank you very much. Exposure as a currency, that's a great idea. <laughs> Ten exposures for a bag of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really wish I could call my landlord and go, hey, I don't have money this month, but I'm famous on Twitter. Yeah. So, you know, I'll I tweet that... to all my followers. <laughs> <laughs> what a great landlord you are. Yeah. <laughs> can I pay with likes? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, maybe you're onto something here. Maybe there's a way of doing that. I don't know. But, uh, it is, yeah. I mean, if you get a plumber to come and fix your toilet and you say, that's great, I'll tell the rest of the world what a good plumber you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's quite right. It's smash your face then. It would, yes. <laughs> so do you have um, like any particular sci-fi worlds that you... Or is there, a, particular or? is there a specific side of sci-fi? Like, just when I heard the very na the name, it yeah. says something, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it? It speaks of a more, you know, philosophical conceptual kind of thing whereas if you'd call your uh, magazine Starblade yeah. or something like that it <laughs> was probably not Starblade absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would speak of like you know military science fiction forever war <laughs> it would wouldn't it yes yeah. Yeah. is your you know do you prefer a more you know thoughtful kind yeah, of yeah I think we do I mean I we want people to use the magazines as a platform for th sort of thinking through their ideas of how they, they perceive the world mm. through the science fictional lens, if you like. Uh, I mean, we, there are subtitles as a reality with a twist of lemon. Mm. And that also is, uh, gives a bit, we don't want to be too serious or, or po-faced about this. We mm. want to like a bit of humour as well. Mm. Uh, and it's really sort of saying, well, in a strange world we live in currently, how do we cope with this and where is it going to? So if you've got a story that sort of takes that reality and gives it a wee tweak mm -hmm. and gives a feel for how it could be either good or bad, mm -hmm. or we'll take dystopia as well as utopia. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so yeah, some a bit more thinking behind it and a bit more character driven as well. Mm -hmm. But above all, I think we all like stories. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're not a great fan of, I think, is good writing that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, do you, so do you have a favourite sci-fi world, favourite you know, fictional universe that somebody's created? Or favourite series? Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I, I, my favourite writer, I think, in the moment, and actually, I, I, was, I left science fiction for a good many years, about 20 years, actually, when I, was, I got married and had children and real life came along, so I sort of put a lot of those things on hold, and I, I got back into it again uh, about 12, 15, 13 years ago when I came across Peter Hamilton, Peter F. Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Now he's a fantastic writer of uh, huge vistas of science fiction, but his books are thick. I mean, uh, yeah, they are. You can build houses with his books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they'll survive the Holocaust, um, the dystopian, whatever destruction you want. Yeah. But his great vision is that he's got a wonderful universe he's creating, 
some in the future. Mm. Uh, but he always tells his stories from through characters' eyes, mm. and he'll spend a couple of chapters introducing a new character, and suddenly you see the, the, this whole universe is created through a different set of eyes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's how it works from there. Mm -hmm. And so you've got lots of little short stories, if you like, all part of this great big vista. Yeah. And his, most of his books are really set in that kind of, of uh, universe he's made up. And so that's, I love those big pictures, but they're seen through human eyes. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Baxter is another one like that, but he sees his world through the universe's eyes, so you don't get the same sort of person. Exactly. But we, we're human beings, we like stories. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and when it's all said and done, there's it's entertainment we're trying to create here, mm -hmm. uh, even our little magazine. Uh, so it's, and the entertainment is, is done by stories. People tell stories and have done that for thousands of years. Mm. Yeah. It's like you're into currency, the story. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I, I don't mind so much very uh, conceptually driven stuff because I grew up like absolutely loving and still loving like Homer uh, yeah. you know and, and you know the Aeneid and the Iliad and you know Virgil yeah. and stuff and a lot of that is the purely conceptual <laughs> like yeah. that is a thing where there are battles huge battles and yeah. characters are introduced purely so they can be killed <laughs> off literally literally yeah. paragraphs if not lines later you know so I don't mind that kind of stuff and I, yeah. I do I find myself drawn a lot to the the kind of concepts of it, like I really like Future War because I just love like the idea of, you know, you the almost the real, the more plausible reality of yeah. using you know light speed and and, and yeah. wormholes to get to a battle, and then because it's so like wildly uncontrollable, star battleships arrive like a century too late, <laughs> or they yes. and, or they arrive like in the wrong time, and when they get there, the civilization they're attacking has actually become way more advanced, <laughs> yeah. and it's just yeah, armed to the teeth now, and like way more technological, yeah. or you know, or they arrive and the civilization is still in the Stone Age because yeah. they thought they'd be sick. You know, like, is there yeah, any like exactly, yeah. concepts that you are particularly drawn to, like time travel or dystopias or or cyborgs or nanotechnology? Well, I mean, I'm very fond of parallel worlds. That's one of my favourite ones because mm. it's just like the idea of being able, um, being able to shift. I mean, Charles Stross's books on the um, yeah, what they the Laundry Farms. Is it? Mm. No, I don't. No, sorry, I don't know. Oh dear, sorry, Charles. I forgot the name of series. But anyway, the um, his parallel worlds where he just jumped from one you know, earth to another one. I just love those concepts of being able to sort of jump and mm. see alternative versions of the earth or alternative yeah. versions of yeah. yourself. And it's, it's going back to this concept of infinity, I think, and it's uh, always been fascinating to me, the idea if there are infinite universes out there, mm. infinity, infinity is a rather large number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's not an infinite number of uh, this interview going uh, happening, but uh, yeah. uh, it's just incredible to think about that. If, that's the, if the parallel universes theory is true, and there's just an infinite number of, of universes, it just it just means there's such a potential there for any any science fiction writer. You just just fill your boots, get on with it. Exactly. Yeah. The thing I love about sci-fi as well is it always reflects the society here and now. Oh so yes. As you yes. Watch, yeah. If you watch, um, it's, I suppose that's more like in science fiction television and uh, film. You can see like the idealism uh, from sci-fi in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, and how they thought we're going to have colonies on Mars and the Moon and everything, but then as you know, time goes on and as the Cold War progresses things start to get a little bit more sinister. It's like you have yeah. Star Wars with this like very Third Reich style, yeah. you know, Space empire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then as you like up to the sort of modern day, it's very difficult to find a sci-fi film that isn't 
dystopian yeah. in some way. I think that just reflects the general attitude that things are a bit grim at the moment. You know, they're actually not as... <laughs> well, people say the last, you know, black and white war was World War Two, don't they? Where yeah. there was definitely goodies and definitely baddies. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah. were, there wasn't any kind of, like, much... Yeah. argument about should we be stopping the Nazis yeah. should we not be stopping the well, Nazis well it's all the question to test how, are you really a pacifist would you have fought against Hitler yes or no yeah uh, and, well at that moment you, you pacifists are around because there's no no one bad enemy you can really point at and say yeah. we must get rid of all those that's very true yeah. but um, as the wars progressed and Vietnam you know yeah. had an effect not just on you know 1970s films like Taxi Driver and things like that but also mm. science fiction you know everything yeah. became a grey muddy area well Forever War by Joe Holden was, mm. was based on his experience of yeah, Vietnam yes. and his attitude towards the mm. Vietnam War that's mm. a really good book um, yeah. and now what, I'm sorry it's happening again but the most popular <laughs> the most popular science fiction of the day superheroes yes. are a reflection of, you know, after 9-11, all of a sudden, you know, America especially, yes. needed these guys, this someone to jump out of the sky in a brightly coloured costume, you know, you know, a costume. The costume's important, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. You can't right, save this, the world without wearing a costume. Right, <laughs> this identifiable image, like, come, like this very defined character yes. coming out of the sky, mm. knocking someone senseless, tying them up. But having the restraint to give them over to the police yes. and then disappearing again. You know, again, that's like a reflection of the time about us yeah. needing a hero, it needing is. intervention yeah. by these mythic guys. Well, it's infantilising people, isn't it? I mean, you say we must have a superhero to look after us. Mm. Um, it really is. I'm sorry, we don't really have that in this world currently. We've got no. to do it ourselves. I know. I, that's a really interesting point. I think... Uh, Marvel in particular is quite guilty of this. I enjoy yeah. the Marvel films. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoy them too. Yeah. Good grief, yeah, they're good fun. Yeah, yeah, they're just like really. It is. You're right. It's kind of quite fantasizing the the idea that I mean a lot of it is uh, basic propaganda for the military. Yeah. You know, it's oh, yeah. saying we have to have massive military budgets because you know aliens might come from another dimension. You need your Captain Americas. <laughs> you need your Thors. You need your Iron Men and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the way it's filmed is very, very evocative of things like 9-11. Like the first Avengers film, when half New York's in rubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's it's, dust everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's yes. all done in slow motion with dramatic music. It's exactly how they memorialise 9-11. Yeah. And so it's deliberately evocative, and it's to show that in the Marvel Universe you have the Avengers, but in the real world you have the US military. Yeah. You know, and they're the people who you should be depending on to like, avenge things. I think it's. I, mean, How, I, well, I, I don't agree here whatsoever. How is it infantilizing it at all? I mean, people know the difference between a man in a nice, cool, pointy hat and a scalloped cape coming out of the sky. I mean, I don't think it's. Because it, I think it's simplifying the situation. I mean, it's good versus bad. It's, exactly, it's saying, yeah. here's the goodies, you're the goodies, we're the goodies, they're the baddies, must kill these baddies. And it, and, and, and it doesn't work out in this world. Well, really I don't cool. think it's. I don't think it's, say, it's saying this is what real life is. What it's doing is providing you a, you know, no more, no, no more a black and white conflict than, you know, Star Wars or something like that. You know, it's, I don't think, I don't look at it and go, oh yeah, I should support the military or something. <laughs> In fact, you know, I personally think Batman is the greatest fictional character ever created, <laughs> and him is a very anti-authoritarian guy yeah. who works outside of the law and there's and then the, you know there's certain elements yeah. of the law that work with him in clandestine ways 
and in a way it's kind of he subverts the law yeah. he does what like the, the government the powers that be cannot do yeah. because they're ineffective and in oh, many no, ways they're that. corrupting and cahoots with the gangsters themselves oh no I think you've picked the one character that probably is isn't infantilizing things yeah. Batman is the, is the probably the best character of all but the opposite of that is Superman where he, who's definitely is so super that he can save the world by mm. just spinning it backwards <laughs> so we as a, as a race or as individuals people don't, don't have to do anything at all we're just Make whatever mess we like. Superman will come and, and repair it all for us, mm-hmm. and that's the infantilizing aspect of it. What's your favourite uh-huh. science fiction story oh, ever? Crikey! Of any medium. I'll tell you what it is, and it's a story that uh, I go back to quite regularly. It's Keith Roberts' Pavan. Right. It's a short story. It's an alternate world, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really set uh, in a sort. of it's the first, the, the book's called Pavan as well. There's a whole series of short stories. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. It's well worth getting. And how are people spelling that if they want to Amazon or. P A V A N E. Cool. And I'm writing it down as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's a wonderful wee story. Uh, it's set in uh, alternate Britain when um, uh, the Catholic Church is still holding sway and, mm-hmm. and therefore technology is held back a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone's. Uh, it's sort of 19th century it's pre-steampunk almost or, mm-hmm. or, or pseudo-steampunk is it the main character's driving a traction engine through uh, the, the Dorset countryside just delivering goods from London and it's it's a very simple tale but the the atmosphere it evokes is just wonderful you're just there and you get from one short story it's about 10,000 words I'm guessing mm-hmm. it evokes a whole universe in that mm-hmm. one 10,000 piece that's a glorious short story. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of any sort of alternate reality, yeah, like alternate yeah. history sort of thing. That's what I love it. So, what, same question to you then. Yeah. What, would, what do you think? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm a film yeah. guy. I think it would have to be, what can I say, Terminator 1 and 2? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah. Because yeah. I just think that's a, just the coolest concept <laughs> yeah. ever. You know, and as much as I enjoy you know, the concepts and the ideas and mm-hmm. the what if. I also think sci-fi gives us the ability to just create the coolest things ever. Yes, things that you just yeah. go, that is the bomb. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And like, there's nothing cooler than a killer cyborg coming Absolutely. back in time. And then, can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I'm so upset I was born in the era I was born. <laughs> you know, can you imagine before the internet, before spoilers, before anything, yeah. You know, you watch the trailers for Terminator 2 and they didn't give anything away. They just said, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's come back with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being in the cinema and then Arnold Schwarzenegger starts protecting the child? You never, yes. you know, the, the, the <laughs> ultimate killer yeah. defends this little boy. And you're like, my God, he's the good guy. What? <laughs> that's, a, that's a twist on the par with Luke, yeah. I am your father. You know, I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely right, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. That, Double one two as well. James Cameron, he knows what yes, he's doing. Absolutely, he knows director. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, right. And there was that battle between old technology and new technology. Yes, like yeah. almost like Arnold is an analog robot in a way. There are <laughs> yeah. joints and bits yeah. versus like new technology yeah. and, and yeah, how bits. unstoppable yeah. that is. And you know, it's almost like it represents the erosion. You know, what what was amazing in 1984, in 1991, is old hat technology, yeah. you know, quite quaint. <laughs> yeah. I just, I love it. I mean, it also is a question of uh, who, came, who, came, who comes first, the science or the scientist or the science fiction. Because mm. yeah. now, people who are now running, running NASA, mm-hmm. 
uh, currently, they were all watching Star Trek in the 60s. Yeah, and it's amazing that that will have an effect on how people think about science and how yeah. it's for a long time, maybe I'd say for a long time science fiction was quite utopian and you know, like the original Star Trek was really quite, you know. That's right, it's the era of the 60s, it was, I mean, the things are much more love and peace. And yeah, the, and the next gen even, they had yeah. a, an emotional council yeah. on the bridge. Yeah. The yes. they, uh, <laughs> back then NASA was you know, receiving a lot of funding, but then as things got bleaker and bleaker, you know, mm. suddenly NASA had its uh, budget cut almost nothing. Yeah. Mm. Although recently it just got a huge, huge amount of money uh, to do just basically cool stuff. Yeah. So maybe that's exactly. a reflection of people think people are starting to value space exploration again. Well, actually, are thinking seriously about going to Mars for the yeah. first time mm. in a generation. It's, and, the thing uh, is, it's always when governments take a step back and private interest, you know, steps in. That's when usually whenever there's like a a new scientific development like telecommunications, it gets to a certain point where governments research it, fund it, and create it. Yeah. And then, for one reason or another, they usually have to stop because there's social issues to get on with. It's when private interests get involved, that's when suddenly there's huge uh, leaps forward. Like when Tesla got involved with mm. cars and the uh, automobile industry. Yeah. You know, it kind of it reached a point where not much was happening. You know, we have cars mm -hmm. that get faster and faster, bigger and bigger, you put TVs in and stuff. But you needed like some like mental billionaire to come in and just start doing amazing kind of utopian idealistic things. Essentially just because Tony can. Stark, isn't it? Yes, yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. And it would be the same with space exploration. Do you think it's important we spend this money going into space? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think it's very important that humankind gets out there and explores the universe. Mm -hmm. It's not that much money really on the scale of things. No, exactly if we sort of stop buying Trident and other things like that, and uh, exactly the money, money that we spend on nuclear weapons <laughs> to make sure that you know nobody can call us the winner at the end of a war. Yeah, we could have a colony on the moon, or we could have a space elevator shipping yes. things into orbit. Because as soon yeah. as we can do that and build things in space, Absolutely. that's yeah. when space travel becomes not only affordable; it becomes the cheapest option. You can yeah. build things in yeah. space and bring it back down, and yeah. it cost yeah. less. Yeah. Which is incredible. A teacher told me in school that if the Egyptians had not been conquered, the rate that they were you know, advancing yeah. in technology, we'd have been on the moon by the time we in, we in this reality had developed steam trains. Yes. <laughs> like they were that far advanced before yeah. they were yeah. you know, wiped out. Through the steam ahead and the noise of old machines, a strange hand beckons. I mean, steampunk is lovely, isn't it? I don't oh, yeah. it's, it's a gorgeous concept of the Victorian era. We still yeah. we're doing wonderful things <laughs> with with the steam and brass and leather, and yeah. flying <laughs> around the world and, and the planets just using mm -hmm. power of steam. I, I love those concepts. If anyone wants to write a steampunk story for the magazine, <laughs> uh, do send it in. Yeah. Where can where can people submit? <laughs> well, if you come to our website, uh, there's a submissions page on our website, which is www.shorelineofinfinity.com. There's a submissions page there, 
And we're open just now for submissions. We're only open for certain windows because we record in a magazine, I and mean, every so often we get a huge pile of stories we have to mm. go back and read through. Mm -hmm. So there's a, we're open for submissions just now, so we'd love to see your stories. Yeah. Uh, I've got a soft spot for steampunk, mm -hmm. uh, just say. Even some diesel punk in there. Which is a genre I recently discovered. Oh, is that I right? have no idea about. <laughs> How does yeah. that That's like differentiate from 1940s to 50s kind of. Right. You know, you think so of it's big, silk, big chrome trains yeah. from the 50s. I love that kind of aesthetic. Do you know what? Do you know what film got panned that didn't deserve to? Um, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, it's yes. a lovely film, isn't it? That was a, that that's been oh, universally. I thought it was the one who saw that. No, I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I thought. I mean. Yeah. It was all very wooden, the acting, but yeah. it was meant to be. Yes. It was, yeah. I thought that was it's a very stylistic. It was yeah, lovely. It was a stunning and, uh, film to watch. Aesthetic to watch. Yeah. So the ships yeah. had flapping wings, which I yeah. love. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was so good. But I, That's I, diesel punk. I absolutely adore oh, right, okay. the, the diesel punk. <laughs> it's, I know exactly what you mean, like big chrome trains, sort yeah, of, uh, yeah. those utopian sort of garden well, cities. Low angles as well, a bit Russian sort of stylized mm, yeah. artwork, fine, inspired. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely love that. That's um, a very underrated film, that, isn't it? It really is. I honestly don't know why it's just been so. Just too different. Too different. It was, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they weren't enough robots punching each other. That's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> and just so listeners know, if you find, you know, I mean, there is the option to buy digitally on the on the website of Shoreline of Infinity, but the physical copies are really nice piece of, yeah, you know, I publishing. Would. Lovely. Listen yeah. to this. Oh, How can anybody not buy that? Now? And yeah. the smell. Oh, oh yeah. can't be the smell of a freshly printed. Let me tell you, they look like a big company comic book quality. It, if you if you yeah. went into Waterstones, you, you could forgive you you know you'd be forgiven thinking that was a comic book published by Wildstorm or something like that. They look you know they are a nice quality product. So fork out. Yeah, it's only four times a year. It's just about only t what, over twenty quid. So it's yeah. nothing. How much do you spend on a pint of beer? You know what I mean. <laughs> Two pints of beer in Edinburgh is a fiver. Don't have two pints of beer, mm. don't have a hangover, have a nice book instead. Uh, and we're also, I know, what I would like to do is say a big, very big thank you to all the people who've helped us with the magazine. That's a very important thing. <laughs> Absolutely, this wouldn't happen without a lot of help from all sorts of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark and I started the idea off, but everyone we've talked about it and really excited mm. and very supportive. Uh, Mike Calder of Transreal was very good in the early days. Yeah. I went down to his shop a few times and bothered him about science fiction <laughs> and some yeah. ideas. So he's very helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, Alan McGilvery, we spoke to a few times. Uh, Duncan Lumen's been a great help, mm -hmm. uh, but very supportive. Ken McLeod has been great. He's been very uh, mm -hmm. helpful in a few ideas and trying to do things. But we really want to say it wouldn't have really happened as we've got to where we are now without people like Russell who joined us, Russell Jones, mm -hmm. uh, uh, who's come along and just fitted in so well with the team. And Ian Maloney, we're very excited about having Ian Maloney, he's a great writer. Mm -hmm. he's, he's now our reviews editor. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, he'll be, his work will be appearing in issue three. Uh, I recommend his stories, he's a sort of horror kind of, thrill horror kind That's of That's my writer. cup of tea. Yeah. So there Excellent. you go, Ian Maloney. So we're very grateful for his support, it's really helpful. Thank you very much for inviting me on to your little podcast and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for Thank you, us. thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening to the second episode of The Grind podcast with our special guest, Noel Chidwick. Uh, thanks very much for getting all this together and organising it, Mr. Uh, Gordon Johnson as well. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and we'll be back next month with yet another podcast. 
What's going on in your life? What can we check out in the meantime? Ooh, well, the grind is doing a ton of stuff at the moment. Uh, lots of very exciting and top secret plans. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at the Grind Journal. You can check us out on Facebook, the barren wasteland that is. Also at the Grind Journal. Uh, and do keep an eye on us because we are going to announce a whole year's worth of plans in the next couple of weeks and it's going to be very very exciting very exciting indeed if you want to hear more of my waffling you can do every sunday it's now a three hour rj bailey rock show um that's from 7 p.m till not sorry 10 p.m at night time forgot that extra hour there immediately after i said it i'm also now going to be hosting a live uh, evening of metal music if you are in the edinburgh area every month at the banshee labyrinth it'll be the unsigned sessions monthly metal uh, every monday keep an eye on facebook on the 98.8 castle fm page that's also where you can find out where and when my show is on and how you can access it on fm or online also you can give me a follow on twitter at rj bailey rj b-a-y l-e-y Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Good. Yep, excellent. Cool. I've been talking so much that my vo- my mouth is now as dry as a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Thank you for downloading and listening to The Grind Podcast. Your cooperation in this matter is valued. If you would like to advertise on or sponsor The Grind Podcast please send an email to thegrindjournal at gmail.com. It would be very much appreciated if you would leave a review for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other Omnigood-approved podcatcher you use. By doing so, you can help spread the word of the grind, and so bring order and unity to this reality. All is good. Omnigood. sight to behold the sun with acres of silver sail to capture the light born of the soul In the earth to moon rays Sun Java Sailing on the wind from the sun Sun Java
The two ships are sailing Now far beyond Mars The race isn't over As they reach for the stars Silver sails floating in the sun